Nick and Corey in the morning. Good morning. Welcome to episode 52, 53, 53, 53, 53 yes. of Nick and Corey in the morning podcast. Here with me as always is Corey. Good morning. Good morning. And yeah, we haven't fucking uploaded because I've been sick for two weeks. Deal with it. Um, That was harsh and uncalled for. I apologize. Get wrecked, uh, fucking nerds listening. Facts. <laughs> there you go. I'm even going to keep that in for them. Mm. Uh, so, The Last of Us. Episode two. Yeah. And three is out, but we'll worry about that for the next episode. Mm-hmm. And by the time this gets uploaded, four will be out even. Mm-hmm. But that's not my issue. Um, you wanna you wanna just dive right into the Last of Us episode two? Dive right in. I'm gonna be honest. I can v- vaguely remember what happened. I know. I remember the en- ending for sure, and I remember like a key thing that I do want to talk about, but I don't know if I want to get into it yet. But if you want to take the reins on it, because you've seen it more recently than I, I will yeah. gladly let you go. Yeah, I watched it this morning. So uh, Joel, Ellie, and was it Tess? Tess. Right. They uh, they begin this journey to to deliver uh, Ellie. Mm-hmm. We, well, we get that beginning bit about uh, trying oh. to come up with a vaccine or the cure. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I feel like the conservatives must have hated that. It was, see, like, that's a little departure from the game as well, like that little opening sequence, because we don't really hear much about, like, the, the three, like, apocalypse, pretty much. It's only, like, told for the perspective of Joel. So it was kind of interesting that the episode started off with, like, a scientist trying to figure out, like, the inception of the disease. And, like, they had that big conversation about saying, like, you know, we need to work on a vaccine. We need to work on a cure. And she goes, there is no vaccine. There is no cure. There is no way to solve this issue. And then she, they're like, so what do we do? And she just goes, bomb. We got to bomb them. That's all I remembered. I was like, holy fuck. We really, like, went off the deep end right now. Yeah, and then there was another line later on in the episode that made it seem like they just bombed every single major city, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, but I guess that's how you deal with a pandemic. One to this magnitude, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say an apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy seeing like how ruined Boston is and whatnot. Yeah, it's it's really cool because that's something that's um that that scene of them looking at the Capitol building, the the golden dome on the Capitol building. From uh, the departed. Yeah, it, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, like that's also why I really like that scene in that movie, because how he like looks over at the Capitol building all the time. But um that's like a thing because Ellie is exploring Boston for the first time and it's it's one of those things that she like looks at all the destruction, but also like looks at like the old buildings and it's just like in awe of them. But it's weird because she it, it's like Joel points it out and says that she'll never really get to experience what life was like pre apocalypse. Like, she doesn't remember what, like, the city would ever look like under normal circumstances. 
I thought it was going to end on I I don't I'm kind of jumping ahead a mm-hmm. little bit with this, but I don't care. I'm gonna like this is gonna come off weird because I've used this as a criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a scene they get through the museum, and yeah. you see like the shot of them looking at the Capitol building, and then them like kind of going down, and it it felt like the episode's going to end here. Yeah, and it was 44 minutes in, so it would have been like the perfect time to end, mm-hmm. and like it would have felt like uh. Okay, like this is this everything that needed to be done in this episode was was done, it was told, it was it happened. Very good ending point and it kept going and I was kind of surprised. That's why I was like how much is left and saw there was still like 17 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh obviously because something else happens, but the fact that HBO was kind of allowed to just make the episodes as long as they want. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, this is where it probably should end. Feel like it should end, but if we extend this episode to here, it's gonna have a much better pay end off. point and pay yeah. yeah. And I, I, kudos to them. I don't I know think... if you want to say what that is, but yeah, it was. I kind of want to just rip the bandaid off and say like what happens because okay. it's also a pivotal moment moment in like early game too. So like Tess, spoiler alert, Tess like sacrificing herself is like a, a important moment because joel no longer has her morality to help ellie it's more like he he's doing it as like a dying wish and then like as the game progresses you know things happen and like his character is built on but like that's really the early reason why he's helping ellie even though he like doesn't want to at all like he would rather just go back um but it was cool. I'm glad that they stuck it out because that's what I think that's a natural way to end that chapter. That's like a natural way to end the episode and move on in the next one. Like I, I think I think they did that pretty well. Yeah, it, it felt like the perfect cutting point. And mm-hmm. it was pretty cool too. Yeah. Pumping the gas and then uh tossing the grenades and it's actually funny because Again, like I'm gonna be like leaking into the game, but um, the way she goes out in the game is different than how it's portrayed in the TV show because originally it's uh here it's um the zombies, but in the game uh they're they're surrounded by Fedra agents, the the ones that are trying to keep the um uh like rebel groups in control pretty much. And they think that, you know how those those the fireflies that were in the museum, they're all yeah. dead. Um, they think that more of the fireflies got into the room and they think it's Ellie and Joel. And they're going to just like gun them down pretty much. And um, Tess tells like Joel and Ellie to like run away. And she like holds holds the ground, like starts shooting at them as they're trying to walk into the museum. And then she gets shot by a Fedra agent. And you and... Ellie have to walk through the rest of the museum and escape. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly different, but I I feel like it probably has the same impact. This I feel was way more cinematic, which I'm glad that they opted for. Like the blaze of glory literally and it's a it was a big sacrifice moment. In the game it feels it's still impactful, it's just not as like explosive. Yeah, and I feel like you know having to fight off the 
the agents like just shooting at them makes mm-hmm. more sense for a video game because yeah. like oh there's gameplay for you right right um the clickers i think that's I'm... what they're called yeah yep so coolest coolest enemy type in the game they can't see but they yep. hear really well mm-hmm. there i was gonna make a very insensitive joke i'm glad oh, I caught God. myself. i'm glad uh they're cool. They look weird. Yeah. They're cool. I love how they are portrayed in the show. I think it's very well done. I love the mix of CGI and practical effects because they actually use performers to mimic the like jarring movement of the clickers, like they're like quick movements. But they also mixed in the CGI to have like more realistic looking like fungal marks on their like, heads and like the way that they could jump over stuff and like run really fast like was done up with cgi but i'm glad that they had that 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 mix i that was a very tense moment in the episode when they're, oh yeah they're like inches apart from each other and they're trying to not make a sound i think joel accidentally like kneels on glass or something yep to give it away mm-hmm. um and like how close they were to getting his ass yep you want to know something funny about the game with the clickers i do so all the zombies in the game work as normal zombies for the most part like it's like you can trigger their awareness of you by like getting in their sight line and um it takes multiple hits for them to like knock you out or kill you whatever like end the game the clicker is the only zombie variant that can one shot you it's the only one in the game so like if a clicker hears you and is chasing you down you better hope you have a shotgun or you're really good at aiming because if you miss their head, they just one shot kill you. Oh. Yeah. So they you, like... you have to you have to restart the level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Their their fungal like pattern on their head is like also like a natural armor. So it uh, like a pistol round won't do it. You have to shoot them like a few times in the That head. makes sense. Because they, then, they were eating yeah. some shots. Yeah, they they take some shots unless you have like a shotgun, of course, or like something that's more powerful, like a rifle. Then yeah. you can just like you want you can one shot them, you can blow them away. But um, in terms of like enemy enemy types in the game, they're the coolest. They're the most like signature. I think of the Last of Us, I would be ashamed if they were not in the game or in the show. Yeah, from from my understanding, because I know some other people that are watching it right now too. They're very. Mm-hmm big fans of the clickers and that was like oh fuck yeah we got the clickers already yep. oops um see is there Ouch. anything else anything else from this episode um uh, i like the reveal i guess of it was sort of at the end of the first episode and they elaborated more on it with ellie's bite mark and her like natural immunity and that's the reason why they are shipping her out trying to like figure out like where to send her in order to like see if a cure can be made and that was one of the most important moments of the game with like Tess and how she like got bit and how it's like like this is for real Joel like we like this is like actually hope kind of thing yeah that uh that was cool because like it did like you said it gave us a little bit of that at the end of the first episode and mm-hmm. went more in depth with it now like as to why she's so important and 
you know why she's still testing positive but yeah the only thing i i remember feeling like really icky about in this episode was like the the tendrils that are in the the zombies now that's not something that is in the game like when when that one zombie gives like Tess the kiss of death where like the tendrils yeah. are coming out of his mouth into her mouth and she's like trying to light the the um lighter to explode Jeez. the room yeah that was that was disgusting i was really just like Bleh. yeah that was that was tough on the eyes i won't lie yeah but the uh the old lady in the first episode the neighbor had that a little yeah. bit but she wasn't like making out with anyone see that that was a moment that i feel like like we could have just had tests like dropping the lighter or like fidgeting with it of course and just like letting it go that part could have been cut out a little bit. I thought that was a little too much, personally. That's fair. Uh, I could I could see that. Yeah. It adds the horror aspect of it, I guess, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. But it's it's pretty pretty tough on the eyes. It's like it made me wonder like why they like like with something like that, I'm trying to understand like the message that they're trying to send. Is it supposed to be like Tess is one of them now, or like Tess is like there was no hope for Tess to survive at all, period. So like her sacrifice was more meaningful, but like I yeah, I was trying to I was struggling on like what the, the meaning of that was. Yeah, I don't know. But R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. So are you ready to Pop into Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. Yeah. Cat and Shoes. Cat El Gato. El Gato. In Botas. In right? Botas, yeah. Something yeah. like that. So Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah, um, it, has a, it has a subtitle. It's not yeah, just Puss in Boots it's 2. Not 2. Uh, sleeper. Absolute sleeper of a movie. Very surprised that we are actually doing this one. Alex said this should have been nominated for an for a best picture. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> he said it should have been nominated over Avatar and over oh, uh, Elvis. God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! That is a hot, hot, hot take. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Hot take. It's really good. It's a really good movie. It's awesome. Oscar worthy. Best picture Best Oscar, picture word, say. yeah. That's that I mean that's so prestigious. I don't know. I don't think it should be. No. Um, to do a debrief on The Last Wish, it picks up like after Puss and like the events of the original Puss and Boots, and which um, I have not seen. I also have not seen. I know that uh Kitty was a character introduced in the original Puss and Boots. And I, I think the a big plus of this is you didn't need to know anything from the first movie to like understand this one. Yeah, because I, I didn't we're, know anything. We're already like getting into like our discussion of it, but like to to do a little synopsis, a debrief. Um, Puss in Boots has lost all, he lost eight of his nine lives, and he is trying to find the um wishing star the last wishing star to make a wish ask for his lives back so that he can continue to be the legend of puss in boots he can live without fear of death and be the uh favorite fearless hero that everyone knows him as so 
he inter- interacts with all these fucking fairy tale characters and they're all trying to find the wish the wishing star the, using the map and stuff and it's a it's a grand time yeah it was a it was a grand time is a good way to describe it indeed uh i just want to jump off real quick and say this movie was funny so goddamn funny like it felt like those original two shrek movies with the humor. yes Yes, I I agree. I think I'm glad that they dipped into what made those first two really special in terms of it's like, you know, we always say this about like movies directed for a younger audience where it's like we want to make this as enjoyable as possible for the kids, but we also want it to be enjoyable for the parents. And if you can do both things, then it's like awesome. And I think those first two Shrek movies really deliver on that and don't really compromise by like having to dumb down anything for the kids. Here, it's awesome because, like, it's a simple storyline that kids can understand that adults can, like, relate to. And, you know, you you have, like, that those jokes that the, the adults will understand and think are funny and the kids won't understand. But they're kids, so it's like they'll, they'll learn eventually, like, what the joke of that was. Um, but, yeah, I, I also agree that it was very funny. I was having a good time. Jack Horner was one of my favorite characters in the whole movie just because he had the most weird one-liners or like he would just say something and it would be like wow i can't believe you fucking said that you diabolical bad guy yeah he was he was he didn't really have much of a filter which was cool yeah uh i liked how he lost all his lives dude it is a pretty interesting um way of handling that storyline like you could have had it another way that you could have had him motivated in a different way but the pursuit of death and like the fear of death is really useful as like a tool in this movie like i i thought it was really funny that they showed all the ways he had died in meaningless ways and how like it like his like nonchalantness about his life had like had an impact on his life now the uh the bench press i thought was was that was a great one him getting fired out of the cannon was i like that one um him with the, the gingerbread man when he gets incinerated oh when he opens God, the yes. oven i forgot about that um <coughs> the one where he's drunk off of leche and he falls mm-hmm. off the um like he's like you know a cat always lands on his feet and then he falls off and you just see him like hitting the ground just hitting the ground too hard, yeah. Minecraft style. Yep. Yeah, they were they were good. They were creative. Also, Pinocchio was in this. You mentioned Gingerbread Man. Pinocchio. Yep. Pinocchio. Pinocchio. In uh, Jack Horner's retelling of his fairy tale, Pinocchio steals his limelight, and he says, "I've been a real boy the whole time. Why is no one looking at me?" So, they did a good job incorporating. Obviously, some newer fairy tales, but some of those that we already know that are mm-hmm. staples to the Shrek universe. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. I um, the referential humor was pretty good. Like, it's a definitely a blink if you miss it moment. Um, with Jack Horner, like, and when he's getting all of his like supplies when he's making his like trip to the uh, Wishing Star. Um, but yeah, I liked that. It wasn't. It never felt too much though. It never felt like. Oh my god, another fucking fairy tale thing that we have to talk about. I think they took all those characters in a 
cool direction and all the references were pretty like all right that's funny like uh jiminy cricket showing up as like a, the consciousness and he thought it was going to be like a swarm of locusts and it's just a conscious saying like how evil jack horner is the whole time he was such a funny character yeah who was uh mariah saw this actually mm -hmm. and first thing she texted me was the cricket from uh, uh puss in boots has my heart or something yeah stupid like that you're an great. evil monster you're horrible your wish is horrible you're horrible <laughs> you nailed that voice yeah I hate to say that but you did can't wait to listen on the recording uh we've uh, we spoiler alert <laughs> yeah you just saw everything shake. Yeah, I did. Um, because we're not like there. I we're past non-spoiler stuff. I think I didn't even mm -hmm. attempt. Uh oh, animation. Perfect. I yeah. love it. Looks. Hey, is... Sorry, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was gonna. I, I was asked... gonna. I did you that. Gonna... Sorry. <laughs> I uh, I saw this take on Twitter and I can't agree more with what the person was saying. Um, it said uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse being the art style that it was allowed for studios to be more creative with what animation styles that they're doing. And I think Puss in Boots is a great example of that, where you have a mix of 2d and 3d like animation styles and you're creating these really wacky environments where characters are moving in a very fluid manner and you're creating these like larger than life moments. The colors are really vibrant. Um, all the characters have like this bounciness to them and they don't, they look so different, but the same. Like it is definitely, definitely Puss in Boots. Like you can distinguish that, but he feels a little different. He like carries himself more. His colors are popping more. It's not as like saturated. It's very vibrant. Exactly. I think that's the best way to put it, honestly. Yeah, I, uh, <coughs> I'm i hoping more studios go down this avenue when it comes to their animation style. Oh, yeah. It has, it is, it's batting a thousand. Yes. It is batting a thousand. I mean, and, they're both getting these nominations, too. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's funny because we have, we've, seen this constant like evolution of animation mm -hmm. where like oh back in like Pinocchio days everything no! was like hand drawn and whatnot yeah um and then we start to see um you know the evolution to what eventually i'm gonna say like uh ice age where everything's like 3d models and what like a 3d animation i guess before ice age toy story did that first but you know what yeah. i'm saying like mm -hmm. we've seen the progression and the progression and the progression and there was like some weird ones in there like polar express but yeah. everything has kind of followed like three or four animation types up to this point and it seems like we're finally turning the page into another one yeah it's really cool I, i'm glad that we're going for this more creative art style I, I i can that's one thing i really wanted to talk about too is just like 
I knew immediately that this was going to be a really cool experience just because the first scene of the movie is like Puss in Boots fighting the uh, giant. And like that whole sequence of him fighting the giant and doing like all the maneuvers and like running on the roof. It's like this, like this has like cinematography to it. Like this literally has like camera movement in animation, like to mimic that behavior is actually insane. Like it's, it's like into the Spider-Verse where it has like, these characters moving around and you feel like you're watching through a camera when it's just animation. It's just renderings. Yeah. Like, but I don't want to keep comparing it into the Spider-Verse, but it, mm -hmm. like there's literally nothing else that is yeah. like, that's even attempted to do this. Like, it was nothing I can think of. I can't. Yeah. It's really hard to think of like other studios that have made that leap into really creative animation styles. Yeah. It's and like you were saying with the cinematography of it all, it's, in a very elite tier of just mm -hmm. for the production yeah production side of it right was there um, there was a spoiler that you wanted to bring up i think there were i just didn't want to be afraid of accidentally spoiling oh something. oh um interesting character i know we're kind of jumping around but uh, the fucking the big bad wolf aka oh. death oh my god such a menacing villain. Like, Jack Horner definitely is, like, maybe, like, the main bad guy. Like, he has, like, the, like, more agency in, like, the, the movie, I would say. Like, he has more things that he's doing early on. But Death is just, like, oh, my up. God. Pick, 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 it, pick up. it up. Pick it up. Uh, the, the scene of... Too. Oh, it's so... When he's in the uh, the cave of past souls or whatever it is, and Puss is talking to all of his past lives, and he starts smashing the glass and like being really like threatening about like, I'm death. I don't mean metaphorically. I don't mean hyperbolic. Like any other way, I am death. Dude, he made Puss bleed. Dude, he made him fearful. <laughs> He like literally had like the drop of blood in the beginning. Yeah, that... he's, he boasted about how he's never a sword has never touched his body, and then like the next or like not the next not the next scene, but like the only person to do it is like this embodiment of death. Yeah, which it was cool that like they didn't sugarcoat. It. It's like no, he's literally death. Yeah, I like how they kind of like you can insinuate who he is from the very beginning because of like like you can say he's he's just like a bounty hunter in the beginning. But like they kind of like nod at like how he's more than just like a random bounty hunter. Like he's actively something different that he's never seen before. Um, I think of two scenes. I like the scene of him sliding the wanted poster at Puss and like tapping on the dead side. He's like, I need you to sign right here. And then the other scene is when they're escaping Jack Horner's bakery and uh, Puss kicks off the gold into the street and death's there and he's watching him and he puts the two gold coins on his eyes and he points at puss it's really cool because that like symbol like the putting the coins on the eyes has like meaning it means like your payment for death like you you are it's something that you do when someone dies so it's like the fact that he did that and then pointed at him holy fuck yeah it was a little dark yeah i uh i really liked the whistle Oh, the whistle's so ominous, God. Because yeah, like yeah. he he moved relatively stealthily. 
Yeah. Like, you never really knew where he was at. But then you hear the whistle and you know, like, uh-oh. The big bad wolf. Yeah, he means business. Yeah. Um. Oh, and his sickles, too. His little sickles. Dual sickles. The play on the uh, scythe is really cool. Because, like, I think they were trying to go for, like, a, a unique Grim Reaper. Grim? Re- wow. Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper Scythe. Phew. Um, but I'm glad that they took a different take on that. It made him more menacing. It, like, the fact that he had, like, the eight other lives etched into the blade. That was, was cool. awesome. Yeah. I liked how it connected into, like, a big staff in the final, like, fight scene. Um, <coughs> but, yeah, there was a lot of things about his character. His character design is so cool, too. Like, feet red eyes, long toothy grin like the whole like him being just so big too like menacing is like oh he's right um so there's a another group hunting down this map in the star yeah Uh it is goldilocks and the three bears Mm -hmm. and what a uh nice family story in the middle of this really really just warms your heart doesn't it yeah um the one line that i really like from baby is uh at the end of the movie he's like i'm gonna wear your clothes fum lum and talking to um jack horner and then jack picks up the magical staff and he goes that was weird and he just blows him away (laughs) yep we're gonna mess you up and then I'm gonna wear your clothes, Fumlum. <laughs> You're just watching me die. Actively dying yeah. on the on the call. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, good line. And it was cool how they had like four different parties. I think it was four. Yeah. Four different parties it, in that final fight. It was definitely um very Western inspired too, which is cool. Like I, I'm always a big fan of like those like Oh, the whistle felt straight out of a Western. Oh, just like, I'm glad that they really leaned into that. Especially like when they're each on, like all the groups meet up and they're on each point of the star. So you have like Puss, then you have uh, Kitty and uh, Perito, right? On one point. And then you have uh, Goldilocks and then the bears are taking different points. Um, Jack and his like henchmen are at a different point. Um was there another group? I, I don't think the wolf showed up yet. No, the wolf point. wasn't there yet. Yeah. Um, it was cool. I'm glad that they leaned into that. Like, they're all, like, giving each other, like, the looks, and they're cutting, like, a standoff. Yeah. Um, We should probably talk about the little doggy. Burrito? Favorite character in the whole movie. So wholesome. So nice. I When he was doing his little backstory... And, like, he was saying it so, like, nonchalantly, and everyone else is just like, that is the saddest story I think I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait for him and Eddie Murphy's donkey to interact. Oh, that'd be great. That would actually be really cool. Oh, it'll be... They're gonna be best buds. Oh, yeah. I'm making waffles. (laughs) You're making waffles? (laughs) The only more positive person. Oh, yeah. Shrew Shrek universe. The Shrew Shrew universe. Shrew universe. 
I uh I I'm excited for that. Oh yeah. I think he's yeah. a great addition to the crew. He's really cool. I like his design a lot too. Um I think it's funny how they explain him having like a sweater pretty much by it being a sock that he grew into. Um, I like that he's kept wearing the sock. I think it is a cool it makes him stand out a lot. It's a cool character yeah. design because a lot of the other like animal characters just kind of don't wear clothes. Yeah. Like Puss wears his belt and boots and then Kitty a wears hat. a hat or she has her mask. Yeah, and then Puss has the hat. I mean Puss has the hat and then she has like a luchador mask and Carito has like the sock sweater. It's kind of he's like the only one that actually wears clothes. Yeah. It's a nice distinction. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have anything else. Oh, the action was good for like, yes, <laughs> yeah, for a kids' animated movie. Uh huh. Action was I agree. good, action yeah, was entertaining. I, I liked it a lot. I liked how there was like a lot of variety of ways that they would take down um, certain bosses. Well, I, I like how like the beginning fight was like done again against Jack when he has the uh, eat me food from Alice in Wonderland. And he just grows to be a giant and he's trying to read the wish and they like do the double the Spanish splinter into his thumbs and then like uh they do that spinning cartwheel thing onto his head and shit. Um yeah, I thought that was cool. I really liked all the action pieces. I thought Jack having like an arsenal of weapons that he could just pull out at any moment and they were always like wildly bizarre. Like he pulls out Excalibur and it still has the stone at the that edge was of awesome. it. Um, uh, he uses uses a phoenix as a flamethrower, saying like "pretty boss flamethrower." Um, a crossbow with unicorn horns was funny. I, they just explode into confetti. It reminded me, and maybe it's because I watched this again yesterday, mm-hmm. but in Free Guy, in the climax when Guy is fighting Dude, he. Uh, <laughs> He he breaks out a cap Captain America shield, uh-huh. followed by a lightsaber. Okay. Followed by <laughs> like the unicorn axe from Fortnite. Wow. And it's like wow. one after another after another just pulling these things out. Crazy arsenal. Yeah, it reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah. I think that was all I had in terms of like things that I wanted to to bring up about the movie it's relatively short too it's not like a huge time development i i think it's perfect for what it goes for oh i guess the last thing to uh talk about is how the movie ends with uh, them yep. sailing to far far away which is hinting at a shrek 5 and like their interconnectedness in a next movie i had one last thing i wanted to say and i wanted to ask you are you okay with shrek 5 I'm okay with Shrek 5. I I just didn't really like Shrek. Shrek 3 was Shrek Happily Ever After, or was that Shrek no, 4? That was Shrek 4, Shrek Forever After. Okay, so Shrek 3. Shrek 3 I, was with King Arthur. See, I don't even remember that one. I That's it. Oh, that was when Prince Charming comes back, right? Yeah. Yeah, see, like that one I, I could. <laughs> and they find out Fiona's pregnant. I think that's when she hangs out with all the other princesses. Oh, okay. I don't remember that one very much. And I really don't like the fourth one. Like that one I genuinely am so bored by. Um, But I'm okay with like a sequel, like another one. I feel like enough time has passed where like 
they could figure out new ways of making the material fresh with puss they did so i'm glad like they, they just need to introduce some more characters it can't just be the shrek donkey fiona and puss show they need to keep that was what was cool about the second movie i think and made it like stand out is like they had you know the gingerbread man they had um they added they added puss they added um the fairy godmother they added prince charming they added the king and queen and um they added like a lot more characters it felt like a much bigger thing than just a shrek movie and i feel like they have gone backwards where now it's just like shrek donkey fiona like all those are the four mainstays and then every other side character is kind of like there for that movie and then they leave the next movie yeah i uh i i agree i also don't want them to keep doing this whole like oh shrek's a dad thing i think that was like it's so played out but wanted yeah that all right numbies Corey, you can go uh you can go first Oh, God, I hate that face. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I will be honest and haven't thought that much about actually what I would give this. Um, I can go first if you want. Can you please? Yeah, I, I don't want to give this a really high number, just because like, it's the fucking Puss and Boots sequel. Um, yeah. But guess what? Okay. Sometimes movies are really good. And when a movie is really good, you just got to shrug your shoulders and say, all right, I'm happy with that. You know, we don't want things to be bad. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I, didn't want to give it a 90. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to. I'm going to give it a 91. Ah! Uh, I just can't. <laughs> I just can't go against something that is that beautifully animated. Right. That funny characters that I love. Right. We didn't even talk about Kitty, really. Penelope Cruz is awesome. Um, I think she brings a lot to that character. I think she has a lot of like emotional moments, and it's I, their chemistry. Her and uh, oh my god, who Antonio Banderas? Yeah, their dynamic is really good. I, I don't know. There's something about those two that are very good in this movie as well. Something that we didn't talk about, but I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I, it was Salma Hayek. Damn it! I, I am racist. That didn't sound super correct, but I wasn't yeah. gonna correct until I, Salma Hayek. Also, yeah. Do you know who voiced Goldilocks? Uh, it was Florence Pugh. It was. Yeah, I did know that one. I kind of forgot to bring up the. Oh, we didn't even talk about like who voiced the character. John Mulaney is fucking Jack Horner. And yeah, that was hear, pretty cool. Hearing hearing that voice like bleed out was kind of like why. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know how close in age Florence Pugh and I are. Four oh. years apart. Wow. The more we know. I guess I'm getting old. I don't know. Mm. Uh, yeah. So 91. A really okay. good movie. Would make my would have made my top 10 of 2021. I'll be honest. Wow. I don't know if it would have made mine, but I... I do think it's a very good movie. It's not something that I would sneer at. It would definitely be in like that that range of movies that I would want to mention as being like sleeper, really good, liked it a lot movies, but I don't know if it would make the top 10 for me. Um, I think 
I think a number that sounds right in my head is a number that I tend to give a lot, or maybe I feel like I do is 88. I feel like it's a strong candidate for like upper eighties. I don't know if I would put it in that region of a 90 white yet, even though I do think it's very deserving and I do like the movie. Um, I'm counting all your 88s right now. Yeah. Not as many as you think. Okay. I mean, maybe it's just that upper range of uh, 80s that I'm thinking. Uh, I feel like I give a lot of 88s or 89s or... Three 88s. Okay, maybe not. You know what? Add one, you know? Fair enough. We'll keep that then. Um, But there are a lot of 89s. Yeah, I think... Uh... We watched a lot of movies that are like just barely not 90s, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Good, not great. Yeah. Great, not epic. I don't know. Um. So, yeah, that's. It's Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Here you go, Alex. Um, I should have asked if you want to be on this. That's my bad. Oh, well. Oh, well. Too late um, now. Our big three. Um, you want to introduce this so I can cough? Sure. Um, we Nick actually had this idea, and I loved it the second he brought it up. Was um, top three hero songs slash like top three songs that talk about adventuring? Um, because one of the big song numbers is a uh, Puss in Boots saying, uh, "Who's your favorite fearless hero?" And he just does a huge song and dance at the beginning of the movie and it's very good i actually watched this movie with uh liam and he said is this supposed to be a musical and then after we got past that point he realized that it was not a musical but he thought for sure that it was going to be uh yeah this came to me while i was in the shower and i'm ready to ride with it yeah uh you're number three i don't even know if i did this correctly and it was my idea um so my number three is the song a horse with no name i think it's a great adventuring song and i think it goes like with the western theme about someone traveling in the desert on a horse with no name um i don't know i i thought that was one of the first ones that actually popped in, into my mind when i uh thought of a song for this category my number three is My Hero by the Foo Fighters. Damn you, it should not be that low. <laughs> I got two more that are better. Oh, fuck you. Um, It's a great song. Mm-hmm. Or is a big Foo Fighters fan. Um, I wonder if this is on his list, actually. That's that's interesting. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, But I was just thinking of songs that had the word hero in it. And I thought yeah. of the song from Shrek 2, Holding Out for a Hero. Um, but that didn't make the cut. I my number two is okay. That is actually one of my honorable mentions. I feel like it would be we'd be remiss to not bring up holding out for a hero as a hero song. And yeah. it was in one of the previous Shrek movies. That's such an epic moment. That might be oh the best my moment God. of that movie. Oh, hundred thousand percent. Yeah. Um Scratch that. Num- That's my number three. My hero is now oh. out. It got relegated? It got Are you relegated. kidding me? It got relegated. Are you kidding me? All right. Not. Oh, now it's upsetting because it is, is on my list. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, so my number two is 
um, Africa by Toto. Oh, okay. I think it, it tells a story about a guy traveling across the Serengeti. So I think what else, you know, I, I, it's just a, it's a banger of a song and I really like it. And it's talking about like on an adventure. That's a good one. I didn't think of that. Um, my number two is the Spider-Man theme song. You bastard. Okay, I didn't even think about it like that, but that's kind of funny. That's why I was like, I wasn't sure if I did it correctly or not, because I'm kind of all over the place. Hey, whatever just incites a feeling of adventure and what else screams adventure other or hero? Hero, adventure. Yeah, we said both words. Yeah, yeah he's he's the greatest hero of all. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows it. They hear, they hum along. It's a great like, song. Is it the the Spider Man one? Oh, yeah. in Spy- my yeah. head, I thought the Sam Raimi theme. Like no, the, no, the, no. The Elfman like no, when he swings like, in. That's my favorite. Like superhero theme from like yeah. like that's my yeah. yeah it's so good it's recognizable oh yeah but spider-man spider-man does whatever a spider can okay now yep. i get it you yeah get it. there we go not to be confused with spider pig or or peter porker otherwise yeah, I, known as yep <laughs> um so my number one is my hero by foo fighters um there goes my hero is I, I love that song. Um, I do think it's one of those things that has. If I think of like my favorite Foo Fire song, it's not really one that pops into my head, even though I like the song a lot. It's just one of those things that gets played a lot. And now I think like, oh, you know, it's a Foo Fire song, but it's not really one that I listen to a whole lot anymore. But it's awesome. It's a great song. Oh, it's great. It's one of those Foo Fire songs that pretty much everyone knows. Yep. And when they played it at uh, Taylor's um uh yeah i don't what's Tour. the word for that um his uh concert yeah yeah but what what you know what i'm saying when yes, they had yeah. his son come out and play yeah that was great uh, great that added like more life to it too oh yeah um there are certain songs like that that had a lot more meaning when they played um at his like remembrance concert like times like these has always been a sad song in my opinion like it's always talking about like how we have to band together in the hard moments and like it's more so now um my hero was one that was like damn um i don't know there's a lot of songs like that that they play and i'm just like yes like this has so much more meaning now yeah rightfully rightfully so rest in peace mm-hmm. yeah um my number one is a little number from a netflix show Okay. Called The Witcher. Oh. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That is such a. That is. Also, coin to your, to witcher. your witcher. That is. Oh, pick of the century. I'm not going to even going to cap. Like, I'm dumbfounded that I didn't think of that first. But, like, that is a fantastic choice. Literally, this was. That was all I thought of when I had this idea. And I was like, fuck, I got to scramble for two more. <laughs> Toss a coin to your witcher, old valley of plenty. I need to get caught up on that. I only watched the first season. I watched like two episodes of season two, I think. And then I just, for whatever reason, stopped watching. Yeah. Um, it's not really a show that you can have on in the background, I've realized. No. You have to pay not. attention. Yeah. 
Um, and we'll see how much I'll pay attention to it, honestly, now that Cavill's gone. But I do want to play the game. Because I like yeah. big, massive, open-world open RPGs where I can yeah. put 100 and some hours in. I just yeah. passed 60 for Final Fantasy IX. Hot damn. I'm almost done, though. I could finish yeah. it tonight if I wanted to. Right. But why would I do that when not every character's level 99 yet? What's stopping you? Yeah. <laughs> every character getting to level 99. <laughs> Maxed. Yeah. Um. Actually, in the last episode, or two episodes ago, in the menu... I said that the main character Zidane is from Tantalus. First of mm-hmm. all, it's pronounced Zidane. Apparently, I think that's fucking stupid. Z i d a z i d a n e. Zidane. Kane. No, Zidane. Zidane. And, uh, yeah. It's it's the theater group he worked for was Tantalus in Lindenblum. Lindenblum, something. Yeah. Theater group. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Which they kidnapped the princess through like whilst performing. Oh god. That's kind of funny. Yeah, dude, it's a great game. All the characters are great. The game's fucking easy, but all the characters are great. Did you have any other honorable mention songs that you wanted to talk about? No. There is one that I thought of, like I was like, I you know, this can work, but it's uh Rusty Cage. By either Johnny Cash or Soundgarden. Um, it is in Call of Duty. It is the teddy bear song that you get if you collect like all three of the teddy bears on Mob of the Dead. And the song is about, um, well, in the context of the game, it's about like breaking out of Alcatraz and like escaping. Um, but the song is like, uh, you would just have to listen to it to like get like the the song the lyrics of it but um it's about a guy like running away like away from someone trying to catch him and um like put him back into a rusty cage like putting him in a cell huh yeah i've never heard of it it's i i don't so something that i've realized is a lot of johnny cash songs that i like are not written by johnny cash and are just covers Hurt is a cover of a Nine Inch Nails song. Which I um, knew it as the Nine Inch Nails song. I then one yeah. time heard the Johnny Cash. I was like, who this the is... fuck is covering this? And, and then you're, and was the other thought just, this is amazing. It's almost, I would say it's better than the original. I don't think I like it more than the original, but it is like, it. if I was a normal soul, I would think that yeah. probably. Uh, I see why people think it. I feel the same way about Soundgarden's Rusty Cage versus Johnny Cash's Rusty Cage, where it's like both are sonically very different. One leans into that folky country guitar, like acoustic mixed in with some rock elements. And then the Soundgarden one is just completely just uh, like progressive, like heavy synth, like fast drums, fast guitar. Um, Another song that uh johnny cash has a cover of is hung my head which is a cover of a sting song which i didn't realize until like i want to say a month ago like i was looking at up all the johnny cash's songs because i'm like this is a trend and uh that song is about a guy who uh like accidentally kills somebody and how he's like remorseful for what he's done um saying like i hung my head kind of thing like 
sad and praying about it kind of thing. But it's very good. <laughs> that I think is the better. Like Johnny Cash for sure has the better version of that song because the Sting version is way too slow. It is way too like. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really like it. That's lucid tangent. dreams. Yeah, the and the Sting song from Sting. Yeah, yeah. Just a little fun fact. Whenever I hear that Sting song, I am always just like, I don't, I don't hear the, the, the producer tag at the beginning, and I'm just like, wait, dude, I, let me get the time frame correct. <laughs> I think it was when I was, I can't remember. I was, I was either driving to or from Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, we're at the hotel breakfast. Me and my dad. I want to say it was. I want to say it was coming back after spring of 21. So driving back up to Jersey. I think I'm mm-hmm. not positive on that, but I think. Um, me and my dad are sitting there eating and that Sting song came on. And that was the first time I had heard it. And I just like I just put my fork down. My dad I was like, you're all right. I was like, no, I'm not. Something's like, what, wrong. What, what's wrong with you? <laughs> It's like they're they're playing this song. This song's not this song. So yeah. you're not making any sense, kid. It's like, you know how Werewolves of London is also Sweet Home Alabama? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. nope. And I was like, yeah. all right, well, <laughs> you're an idiot. No, but um, I had explained and then I Shazammed it because I still have the Shazam app on my phone. Yeah. And then I learned and I texted multiple people on the spot you might have been one of them if i'm being specifically i remember the werewolves in london sweet home alabama one and it's just like if you just play the first five seconds of either song or i would go as far as say the first like 20 seconds of either song you would not be able to tell the difference with you and cherry i think i did those two plus uh all summer long by kid rock i think morgan was there for that as well they have they have the same opening guitar pluck like they have the like they all have that opening riff and you're just like which one is it i one of my favorite things i've been doing is just playing both of them i'm like what's this song yeah what's this song and they just get it wrong they just get it wrong um we should one day do a big three of that of those three songs yes actually yes (laughs) that's not what i meant but it's like songs on the same beat Oh, 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 same, same yeah. music. I thought you were just saying rank Sweet Home Alabama, <laughs> the Kid Rock song, and uh, Werewolves in London. Oh, um, Sweet Home Alabama is my number one out of those three. I would also agree. I think it's not fair. No. Um, but that concludes this episode 52, 53, 53, 53, 53, 5 3. I'm going to have to get it tattooed on me. It's like Memento. Yeah, there you go. Or Pimento from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yeah. We had a patient who was watching it. He just he just finished the series, but when he was at... <laughs> Pimento episode? Pimento, he was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a Which great episode. It was pretty great. It is a great episode. Um, in the next episode, 54... Um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World with a special guest who I won't reveal. Fair enough. Um, and then after that, 80 for Brady. 
And then Yay. after yes. that, Corey picks. And then after that, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. And then after that, no, I'm kidding. Well, I mean, I there will be an after that. There will be an after that, but I just, I have no idea what's coming out after that. Yeah, me neither. Um, I might even cancel the show by then. Who knows? Oh. No, I'm kidding. It was nice knowing y'all. Yeah. I'll see you, man. I'll see you, man. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, as always. And until next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you a boat? Ah, <laughs> uh, see, see you, man. I'll see you, man.